Welcome to today's English sermon. I'm going to be speaking on the reading from Acts chapter 4 verses 5 to 12. So I'll read that now as we start. The next day the rulers and elders and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Amen. Well, I don't know if you were tuning in last week, but Ali was preaching on the second part of Acts chapter 3, where Peter addresses the crowd after a great miracle had been performed. Here today, in Acts chapter 4, we have Peter once again explaining the same miracle, but this time in front of the religious leaders of the day, after both he and John had been arrested. Perhaps we should start by just recapping on what exactly had occurred in the first place. At the start of chapter 2, we see Peter and John going up to the temple to pray. And at the temple gate is a well-known beggar who had been born crippled and spent every day there asking for money from those going in and out of the temple. When he sees Peter and John about to enter the temple, he indeed asks them for money. Whereby Peter says to him, look at us. Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Peter takes him by the hand to help him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles become strong and he jumps around the temple courts praising God. Reminds me of that well-known hymn, O Leap, You Lame for Joy. Unsurprisingly, this draws quite a crowd and Peter grasps the opportunity to tell the people about how this has occurred. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong, he says. And he proceeds to explain about the recent death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how they need to respond by repenting of their sins and turning to God. 
It says in chapter 4, verse 4, many believed the message and the number of believers grew to about 5,000. However, some religious pre leaders were present in the crowd, including some from the Jewish party of the Sadducees, who did not believe in the general resurrection at the end of time, and so they were greatly disturbed by Peter's teaching that Jesus Christ had indeed been raised from the dead, and that those who followed him would likewise be raised. Peter and John were duly arrested, and the next day they were brought before an assembly of the rulers, elders and teachers of the law. And that is where we picked up our story in our Bible reading today. Here the disciples are questioned by the leaders and they are asked a fundamental question. By what power or what name did you do this? Verse 7. By whose authority did this amazing miracle happen? And so Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, repeats what he had already stated very clearly the day before in the temple courts to all who would hear. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Verse 10. Powerful words backed up by powerful results. Now, one thing that I suppose troubled me a little when looking at this passage, preparing for today's sermon, was what exactly are we to do with passages like this in the Bible? And there, there's quite a few of them where the prayers of God's people offered in faith, in Jesus' name, make the sick and the crippled and the blind well. I remember as a teenager, there were many exciting things happening in my home church in Leicester where I grew up, and the Holy Spirit was definitely at work. People were filled with the Spirit, some people spoke in tongues, some people were slain in the Spirit, there were healings all in our little Anglican village church. And I remember at that time in the youth group, one girl said that she had a pain in her arm. So we thought, well, we'll have a go then. So we uh, laid hands on her and we prayed for her. And I remember feeling something move in her arm. And afterwards she said that she was pain free. Um, it was good. Praise God. However, I have to admit that I've never seen a cripple get to their feet and start jumping around as a result of prayer. I mean, you hear about these things, but you rarely seem to see them for yourself. Now, recently we've experienced the sad passing of some of our brothers and sisters from disease, I think. Think of Nalini and Owen, Sonia, Rusty, and I'm, I'm sure there's others. Christians that we've prayed for in Jesus' name to be healed 
from their diseases in this life and they haven't been. My own mother, nearly three years ago now, died of cancer and Christians were praying for her in churches all around the world. People even phoned me in Leicester to pray over the telephone for her. I remember people cursing cancer in Jesus' name. But the reality is she still died of cancer. So what do we do? Do we give up praying for sick people at all? No. The Bible tells us to pray. So we shall pray and leave the answers with God. After all, throughout the book of Acts, the apostles are always at pains to stress that it is not by their power that people are healed, but rather by the power of Jesus and his Holy Spirit. It is God's work to heal. It is ours to pray. And let us not be afraid or unwilling to admit that sometimes we just don't understand why. To be honest, why, why many people aren't healed. We just have to leave it with God. And personally, I, I think it's best to avoid all easy answers, all simple solutions. For they aren't going to satisfy really anyway. And let us realise that when God does act, like we see in our passage today, it is not purely for the benefit of the individual involved, though there definitely is that, but also it's as a demonstration to all around of the power of the gospel, that Jesus Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And it's an opportunity for us to tell as many who will listen about this Jesus. In our passage, Peter goes on to tell the assembly of leaders that the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone or the cornerstone, verse 11. He's quoting from Psalm 118. Basically, the one you crucified has been made the foundation upon which the whole kingdom of God rests. It's all about Jesus. Without him, there is no kingdom at all. It all comes crumbling down. And he goes on. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Verse 12. Strong words again. Words that are pretty much unacceptable to many in our world today. Imagine if you were to go on television today on some talk show and say that Jesus is the only way to be saved, the only route to peace with God, the only way to heaven. Can you imagine the complaints? What a bigot! How arrogant! How dare you? Even within the church today, there are many who simply would not 
could not accept this. Forgive me if you've heard this story before, heard me tell it, but many years ago, I went to see the, uh, the DDO, the Diocesan Director of Ordinance in, in Leicester Diocese, about exploring the possibility of ordination. And after a few chats, I was put forward for a, a pre-selection day, which they held at the Leicester Anglican Retreat Centre. There we had to do group exercises and there were different interviews to attend. Over lunch, I was chatting with the area dean, who was one of the interviewers there. And it turned out that he'd been to India recently, just as I had as well, where I met Joy working with the street kids that we now support today as a church. I thought that this was a good sign, something that we had in common. But how wrong I was. When it came to my interview with him later that afternoon, it was clear that he had gone to India for a very different reason to me. He had gone to learn from Hindu spirituality. Whereas I had gone to do missions work and tell people about Jesus. I remember he even asked me at one point, don't you think there's a point where you become so full of the Holy Spirit that you become God? I was shocked. <laughs> I said, no, I don't. Anyway, when I went back to see the, the DDO, the director, Diocesan Director of Ordinance, some days later, he read to me the part of, of their report which he felt was most significant. And it said, David has very fixed views about other religions and Jesus being the only way to God. He will need help to become more open and flexible. So that was that. They, they weren't saying no forever, but I was going to need to change my views. It's quite shocking, really, when the Bible is so clear on this subject. I mean, just read what the Bible has to say about worshipping idols. <laughs> Nothing good. Or listen to the words of Jesus himself. John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Or... 1 John 2.23 Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. You cannot come to know God the Father via any other way than through Jesus Christ the Son. And what a spur this is for us to get on with evangelism. People need to know about just Jesus. What did Peter say in our passage? Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Saved? Saved from what? Another topic which many people are very uncomfortable with these days. Saved from the coming judgment.
the coming day of the Lord. We have a, a Bible study group which runs on Thursday nights. I'll give it a quick plug here. Um, it's 8pm. It's on Zoom at present. So anyone is welcome to join us from anywhere in the world. And last week we were looking at, at Exodus and where after the incident where the people make a golden calf to worship, God instructs the Levites to take their swords and go out into the camp back and forth, striking the people down. And it says 3,000 Israelites were killed. And one of our group members said that they really struggle with the amount of, of judgment and violence that we see instigated by God in the Old Testament. It's quite a, a common concern, I, I would imagine, if we're honest. And another member shared something that I thought was, was quite profound, really. They said, um, the judgment and violence by God doesn't just disappear in the New Testament, you know. No. Rather, it is poured upon Jesus on the cross. The judgment for sin still stands, but Jesus takes the punishment in our place so that we can be forgiven and cleansed and so be able to approach and know this holy God. That's why Jesus is the only way to know Father God. That's why there is no other name given to men and women by which we must be saved. That's why salvation is found in no one else. No other prophet or teacher or so-called God or idol or philosophy. It is only through Jesus. And so without Jesus, all that is left is for us to face God's judgment upon our sinful ways for ourselves. The coming day of the Lord. A great day for those that know him through Christ who have had their sins atoned for. But a terrible day for those who do not. Let me read to you from Revelation 6 verses 15 to 17. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Salvation is found in no one else. And people need to know about this wonderful Saviour who has died on the cross in our place so that we can be free. Who has risen again by the power of the Holy Spirit and is alive today. And it is our job, like Peter, like John, like the disciples, to get the message out, to go and make disciples of all nations. Let us pray together as we finish.
Lord, we thank you that you took our place on the cross, that you took the punishment that was rightfully ours for our sin upon yourself, and that you rose again in power. Forgive us for taking this so often for granted. And please fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, with your boldness, that we may tell those around us about your good news without fear or embarrassment or being overly concerned about how we might be perceived by others. That people might hear and turn to you. For your glory's sake. Amen.